We are two womanist race nerds talking shit over tea, dismantling white supremacist patriarchal capitalism one episode at a time. I'm Queen. I'm Jay. And this is Tea with Queen and Jay. Ow. 2022 was a rough year for hip hop. Despite the influx of new, talented women in the game, there has been incredible loss and displays of misogynoir that kept our beloved genre in the headlines. In this episode, we will get into the impact of hip-hop on women, and I've invited Queen and Jay from Tea with Queen and Jay to join me for a special two-part conversation I call Colorism and Misogynoir Galore. Wagwan, everybody. This is Donovan, and welcome to another special episode of Stranger Fruit. I have two very, very, very special and familiar voices and faces on this episode. We have Queen and Jay from Tea with Queen and Jay, our favorite womanist race nerds combating white supremacist patriarchal capitalism, one conversation at a time. Ew. Ew. First of all, that was a mouthful. But... <laughs> But I want y'all to know that I hear y'all all the time. You're not there, mm-hmm. but I'm going to put it like this. You know Sunny from The View? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. She says this mm-hmm. all the time. Now, I don't know where she got it from. Bell I don't hooks, know. I don't know. It was probably yeah. Bell Hooks. Yeah. But one thing about it, though, that I'd like to say is that before I met y'all, I didn't hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we heard about white supremacy. We obviously know about capitalism, obviously know about a patriarchy. But the way y'all just hit it back to back, boom, 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 boom. That's how be hitting us back to back. That's why you be so tired. Exactly, exactly. Like, I remember, I'll never forget it when y'all came to the grapevine ready to go. Big hair, big personality. Big attitude and a lot to say and just hitting it like that. It was such a breath of fresh air after having so many conversations about the white supremacist, Mm -hmm. patriarchal, capitalistic (laughs) structure that we live in. And y'all were so impactful. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yes, and for for people who may not know y'all who are watching this, I have to ask this because normally we have, y'all know this is a very special episode because it's very, very intimate. And I love these conversations because we get to have, we get to learn a little bit more about y'all. We talk a lot about, you know, what's going on in society. But I want to talk about y'all for a quick second. Yikes. Just a quick second. Just a quick second. Because the work that you all do, identifying as womanists, first of all, which is something that I didn't even hear until very recently, over the last couple of years, largely because of y'all. And then adding the race nerd part of it. And adding all of these elements to it, like we've been going through a really cool kind of evolution at this point in our lives. Like we saw the birth of something like Insecure, where like this identity of black women being awkward or being nerds or being able to center conversation outside of like the typical gaze, which is about what relationships, which is about like what rap or like pop culture and things like that. And even with the grapevine getting into conversations about colorism, it's like you wonder like, well, goddamn, how, how long are we going to have these conversations? And y'all really brought fresh air to those conversations. Why do you do it? How did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> well, my mom and dad. Same. Same. Yeah, yeah. We didn't grow up together, but we grew up very similarly, where it was mm-hmm. like these parents who wanted us to be 
blacker than blacker than black and blacker than black. <laughs> and like, Come on, parents. kind of made sure that regardless of anything that we loved being black. Yeah. Um, so those foundational pieces for me and her are just really similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we we grew up, we both grew up with race theory. And I think a lot yeah. of people don't when, when we talk to a lot. Of, and that's not something that I knew. I didn't know that like I, that, that's what everybody's house right. wasn't talking about race theory and racism and like dissecting all of those isms. And I think both of us having the foundation that we had in our homes of talking about blackness and race theory, that knowledge that we had and understanding that oppression helped us to understand our own oppression as black mm. women and as we experience it as at the different intersections of gender identity and queerness and all those different things that play a role into the way that we experience the world. Mm. Do you think like your parents would ever guess that you would be out here in these streets on camera, having your own podcast, kind of continuing that legacy of specifically going in and talking about these issues? Because I'm pretty sure they got you involved for this for the process of survival Mm -hmm. and just so that you can know who you are in this place but to continue obviously we grown now like (laughs) do they feel any way about that would they ever have guessed um i could see my parents like it all makes sense like (laughs) my mom is like just be careful be a man why you have to do this i'm so serious It it, it makes sense but also my parents in particular um they were my they both were in the Nation of Islam back in the day, so right. they already had a push against the system kind of foundation. Like, we weren't... Mm-hmm. I realize it now. I didn't know what was happening when I was a kid, but it was very, like, you don't need to assimilate. You're fine like this. You can be wow. like this. You can, like, whatever. But in the moment, it was like, I guess they just okay for... I guess they're okay with us being ghetto. You know, like, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't, you know, like, as a kid, I'm like, okay, my parents say it's fine that I talk like this or act like this or yes. whatever. But now I realize it's because for them it was like, you're never going to be enough, in quotations, mm, so be yourself. Mm, but I didn't, wow. know, I, didn't know, I didn't know what they was doing. So now I'm looking back wow. like, oh, so you did know how to raise me. I don't think that my parents expected me to um, get intersectional with the shit. You know what I'm saying? Because we, we grew up talking about blackness. We didn't grow right, up talking right, about right. Uh, my identity as a woman or femme presenting person. We didn't grow up talking about um, any kind of gender identity, anything outside of black, black. and yeah, and yes. white. We didn't really discuss it. Yeah. And you know, I have the, the privilege of being from New York, and identities in New York is a lot of nuance and a lot of That's depth. True. So there came knowledge with that. But I don't. When my dad was teaching me about being a black person, he did not expect me to also take that information and wonder why my upbringing was also so patriarchal. Mm. They didn't. Neither of my parents. Uh, Queen grew up with a, a certain freedom of um, being her whole black self and not growing up with respectability. I grew up pro-black, but also very respectable on, on a different you. ranges of respectability. My dad um, being, his parents are Jamaican immigrants. So you know the respectability that can come with that. <laughs> right, right. What? The respectability that comes with that. Um, you know, my mom, diasporic in her own way, but a, a lower level of respectability, but still respectability politics. So I don't mm. think that either of them mm. expected me to get intersectional with the shit. And I think that that's a part of, we can curse here, right? Oh, I don't yes, know. please. This is Fuck new. it up. Fuck it up. Is. Okay. <laughs> Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, everything has gotten more intersectional. So I don't think it's just, uh, you know, me, them kind of thing. I think it's just the world. That's true. The conversations in the world have opened up um, to more intersectionality. And that's a more common conversation than it was back then. 
So I think that they always expected me to to speak up, but I didn't. I don't they think know what I, was gonna yes, say. they know what I was going to say. <laughs> My dad was. Dang, they going in. It's <laughs> like you're saying what? <laughs> <laughs> My mom too. Right. My mom was like. Let me let me ask you a question. I, I <laughs> yeah. was watching the show, but do you have to curse mm -hmm. as much? Like, do you have to say that thing? Even to this day, my mom is like, you can't go to Jamaica. She's like, you're not allowed to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why not? Mm -hmm. And she's like, because God forbid somebody knows who you are right. or if they right. happen to, you know, mm -hmm. anything. And, and it just makes you a target yeah. because that intersectionality that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. My parents, both, both Jamaican immigrants. Mm -hmm. Same thing. You know, there was a certain level of respectability there for sure. Actually, an extra, an astronomical yeah. level of... Um, it's more. Yes. It's just yeah. more. There's an added... When, when you're talking about black immigrants, it's an added level of respectability. And there's also, no matter how pro-black you try and be as an immigrant here, there is that level of, we don't want you to be like those niggas. So yes. my dad grew up being a pro-black person, you know, in the Bronx, in the U.S., but also while he was trying to be pro-black everywhere else, his parents are like, we still don't want you to be like those niggas. Exactly. And not that they would ever necessarily say it that way. Mm -hmm. That's but what but it that's was. what we understood. That's for what it. It was. My mom, my mom used to say, I don't know if y'all know about the Brooklyn streets back in the day, but there's a school called there was a, there was a school called Thomas Jefferson. I don't know if it's still there. Mm -hmm. But oh, you know Thomas Jefferson? Yo, Jay, <laughs> our, Jay, our engineer right now is like, yo, I know Thomas <laughs> Jefferson and South Shore and all of these schools. And my mom would say, let me tell you something. Yeah, I forgot school. I have to work. And if you don't, you're going to go to Thomas Jefferson and then I got Nyamira. I was like, Nyamira? <laughs> oh my God. Like, this is because she knew that if you go into, because she knows how this the system is set up. And I think as immigrants, first of all, you're thinking about like, yo, they might kick me out of this joint at any moment in time. Right. Stay your ass, ass out of trouble. Don't get in no trouble. Mm -hmm. Don't bring any attention to us. But there's this other element of just like, I think for them, understanding like there's a certain level of privilege that you have being born here and we want you to be safe. And it mm -hmm. gets into the assimilation. It gets into the respectability-ness of it. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I really did absorb a lot of that. What I think my parents did that was unique that I think to, uh, to some of our other like, you know, first generation counterparts is that my mother was very like, you got to know everything to know that I could possibly educate you on, mm -hmm. on the African-American experience mm -hmm. so that you don't get this shit twisted. Right. So my mother was, <laughs> she was a Jamaican woman wearing dashikis talking about Martin Luther King. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> uh -huh. She was just very like <laughs> steeped mm -hmm. into the black experience because I think she, she kind of got to have like, um, she came in when she was 12. Oh, so okay, she got right, like a yeah, little bit more yeah, of the exactly, experience by the yeah. time that she had me at 24. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that nuance is right. dope. But now to see what I'm doing now, she mm -hmm. couldn't have anticipated yeah. that joint because we they still grew up, grew up homophobic as fuck, still mm -hmm. raised me mm -hmm. homophobic as yeah. fuck. Like one of my cousins who is a trans woman, um, I didn't speak to her for like 15 years because she was ostracized from the family, right? right? right. So it's like we grew up mm -hmm. with a lot of foolishness, but with like these moments. Yeah. And yeah. I held on to those moments mm -hmm. and had to undo all the other stuff. Definitely. When you mentioned um, her threatening you with going down to that high school or whatever, <laughs> yes. right? I went to Truman, which was the mm. school at, you know, at the time it was a lot of violence when I was there. But instead of the threat, it's like, okay, yeah, you're in the hood, but you're not of, you're the, not hood, of the hood. Which is right. a respectable, yeah, yes. which for, mm -hmm. even if, even as a, you yes. know, black American person or whatever, is still this kind of separation and this kind of instilling respectability yeah. in this girl that's, you know, in the hood, quote unquote, I grew up in co-op, call it what you want. Mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. 
this girl who's growing up in a certain environment saying, okay, well, you're better. Make sure that you hold yourself yeah. better and carry yourself there better. And you're not, don't that. be like those oh, other yeah. girls. Like, yeah, for sure. So there's, you know, this, this element of like respectability that I think a lot of us have worked very hard to shed and dismantle um, as we understood intersectionality and privilege and all the nuances that go beyond just race theory and yes. blackness. Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. You know, that, that makes me come to this point because through your perspective, through your upbringing, and then dismantling all of those things. And yo, you have to listen to Tea with Queen and Jay because they go hard, y'all. Like they go <laughs> really, really hard. And one of the things that I really like is those moments. You've done it on the grapevine, but I like those moments of even self-reflective. Let me check myself real fast. Let me question myself a little bit. Mm. And and I think like that's a part of the awkward part, even with our parents. Yeah. And that's like been some of the struggling points. When I was around um 23, I ran away. I ran away right to, to brother's house. <laughs> I, ran, I ran right away to his apartment until I got on his nerves. I was there so long because I ran away because I, I came to a crossroads of just knowing like, I, I love myself. I'm honoring that. And certain things that y'all are saying, like I cannot fuck with it. And I needed to find a way to break through. And it, mm -hmm. it just became like another leg of the journey in dismantling and building mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. You know, it was before I ever stepped foot foot on anybody's stage to talk about anything related to race or queerness. It was just like what I felt in my yeah. body. Mm -hmm. And so so for you, like Queen, especially like, you know, being in a, having your perspective and, you know, I don't want to tell all your business, but identifying also as a queer person yeah. by mm -hmm. having all of these intersections, dark skin, yeah. these intersections. Did you find that in your upbringing, was that addressed? Were, were those moments addressed? Queerness, definitely not. I mm -hmm. think that all black people just have this queer erasure where, like right. like, like you said, you're a um, trans family member. Yes. Where you just forget that oh, they don't exist. exist. And I remember having a conversation with my mom as an adult. She's knowing I'm a queer person or whatever. And I'm like, Ma, it makes no sense that, like, the queer people are, like, my generation. Like, they, like, where's the gay people? <laughs> like, like, this ain't like, adding up. Like, this don't make no sense that me, um, my nephew, I have a few cousins who are, who are out. It yeah. makes no sense that we're the only out people yeah. in his whole family. So then my mother starts talking about family members who I never met. Mm -hmm. And it's just like. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, really? So, you know, so it's, Dang. it is, I, I like that I'm able to have these conversations with my mother and for her to realize like, you know, okay, that was fucked up, but that's all they knew what to do is mm. kind of discard these people because you are not being the perfect black, Yes, <laughs> essentially, you know? Um, so that was kind of a, it was nice that I was able to have that conversation, but it's also like bittersweet because who are these queer elders that I never got to experience. Oh my because God. Because of erasure. The erasure, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I, we've talked about mm -hmm. that. And it's just mm -hmm. like, it's it's because we are still trying to, even when you know all of this stuff about blackness or whatever, even with parents who were like that, there was still so much that they were missing mm -hmm. um, because of no intersectionality in that, you know? So exactly. It was, it's, so that def never, never was addressed. Um, I'm one of those odd people who didn't really meet colorism until I went outside. Mm. Um, could be because my mom is dark skinned, um, like darker than me, dark skinned. Right. Um, and me and my siblings, we are many different colors. Mm -hmm. So I have light skinned family members, dark, you know, whatever. Right. So in my house, it wasn't a thing. Like, <laughs> it wasn't a thing. <sighs> I know that. Peace. <laughs> it sounds like you had a little bit of peace at home. Yeah. 
like it was it I didn't start to notice colorism until it started to be about desirability mm. and whether someone is attracted to this person or not. That's when mm. I first started like, wait, wait, what? Because she, wait, huh? Like, because mm. she's mm. what? Like, it was just, that's when I, and I, that's like middle school when you start like. Yes. It's like, wait, Oh, what? so still fairly young, yeah, but definitely yeah, out yeah, the house. Yeah, yeah, Got out it. of my house. Like in my home, it did not happen and I appreciate that. And I don't know if it's because my mom is a dark-skinned person yeah. or not. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't there. We didn't make, we didn't make jokes about skin color. Like we just didn't do that stuff in my house. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I didn't. And then my because of my family, we were very even when we watched, we were only really allowed to watch black shows and right. so there was so much of me just being like in this cocoon of like protection. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, whatever. Then I went outside, I'm like, damn, y'all niggas is wilding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause it's like, whoa, whoa. What are y'all doing? <laughs> what are y'all doing? Like, and that's kind of, that's fortification. They kind of like fortified you, gave you like a nice yeah, little foundation. Yeah, yes. So you were, you were able to recognize that they were wilding as opposed to like taking it on. Did you, or did you, did you ever take it on? Not, not really. So like the times when I can think about internalized colorism, cause colorism, is something that dark skinned people can also perpetuate, just right. like black people can perpetuate inside blackness. Absolutely. So it's not it's not something um unique. Yeah. Some people think it's unique that a dark skinned person can participate in these systems mm-hmm. and it's like it's not that special. No, <laughs> no, we can do it and we do it well too. <laughs> you know, but um it wasn't until when it came to that desirability stuff when I started noticing maybe a guy being more into my friends because they're lighter skinned mm. and then, you know, just stuff like that that for me I think because of those foundational pieces didn't really affect my self-esteem in ways that it probably affect other dark-skinned women. Yeah. And then also there are women who are darker than me. So their colorism experiences may be way different yeah. from mine because there are folks darker than me. Like mm-hmm. I've never been called midnight. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I've never, you know, like because I am on the lighter spectrum of dark-skinnedness. Yeah. Um, so I've never really had a lot of those deep, colorist experience but it's not until I like got into the world so when I'm trying to date or when I'm noticing that and I didn't notice this until I was an adult but I'm noticing that I'm being treated differently like Mm. everyone always thinks that I am doing something wrong Mm -hmm. like I look back at schooling and it's like teachers are always suspicious of me Mm -hmm. when I'm dead ass not you know so I'm realizing like oh that's that was colorism yeah existing but i didn't know why i just thought that they just thought i had an attitude you know i just Mm -hmm. i didn't know what it was but i'm being treated poorly or being being treated suspiciously or like you're not expecting me to i i was like a very smart kid Mm -hmm. you're not expecting me to like know the things i know so but and it's like i couldn't identify it was because of because i was black Mm -hmm. it was because i was a girl Mm -hmm. because i'm muslim like i had so many intersections that i couldn't really Pinpoint, pinpoint like, what it was, but mm. I'm looking back now, and a lot of that was colorism because the expectation of me was to be less than, yeah. regardless of what. So, like, for me to even have the audacity to, to demand respect it was like, girl, shut your mouth. Like, mm-hmm. that's not how what, dare you? Yeah, and it was just like, but I didn't know that that's what that was until I was an adult and I learned more about the systems of colorism, because usually when we talk about colorism, we keep it on a basic level of desirability, where colorism is a system that oppresses dark-skinned people. Yes. 
And when I started to research and look into the system of colorism, I'm like, they've been fucking with me the, all this time. The whole time. <laughs> the whole time. And I think oh. what you said is really, really, really an important part about where it starts and how it can start. Like a lot of people, I'm sure it started at home. Mm-hmm. Thank God that you had like a foundation where you, you weren't set out that way. Yeah. But once you met it, you know, just like how early it starts and then how, you know, even in processing, like, well, what did I do? Like, what is that? Yeah. Like, what does that do to a kid? You know what I'm yeah. saying? And then the stats behind that about being more likely to be suspended, more likely to yes. be expelled, more mm-hmm. likely to get in fights, more likely to have to go to night school because you were not able to be successful in school. There were times where I've had fights that were not my fault. Wow. I'm the darkest skinned person and it's like, it's because of her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she, <laughs> and I did not equate that. I did right. not know that's what that was as a kid. I did not know that's what that was when I was a young woman. Um, so I couldn't address it or combat it in that way because yeah. I didn't even know what it was. But yeah. that's exactly like when I look back, I'm like, yo, they was just because I'm dark. I was the problem mm-hmm. and I was not supposed to exist. And I exist very loudly. Mm-hmm. Like, and we love it. <laughs> but I'm like, wow, they was really trying to stomp that out of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. That's so crazy. And, that, <laughs> and that's also a part of like what I love about the journey is because now look at you. You're on a mic, like talking about this shit all the time. You can't stop. You can't stop the train. You can't stop the party. But what about you, Jay? Like in that same kind of like vein, because I I will speak, you know, about the Jamaican experience. I had, I knew about colorism at home first. Mm -hmm. Not my mom, not my dad, but within the family, right? Like, for example, I have an uncle who would say like when I was out in the sun for a certain long time, he'd be like, yo, you got to stay out the sun. You're getting too dark. He's this color. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, why would that even be an issue? Listen, I never, in my young mind, maybe 11, I never had thought about being out in the sun and getting too dark. We want to get dark. That's <laughs> that. This is a part of yeah. what happens every single mm-hmm. summer. Yeah. And he, I remember him, and he, and you see, it never left my mind that time. And an, an aunt of mine was in the room because I pushed back on that. And my and, and my aunt said, you know, I always thought I would get married with, to a man with soft hair and curly hair and light skin no i'm sorry not light skin because jamaicans say brown brown skin (laughs) and and i just remember that i never forget that conversation just one of those things i'll never forget so i saw that there was desirability politics when you talk about the system of colorism that's the leg of it that i saw so it wasn't people getting expelled or or suspended Mm -hmm. or getting to fights i wasn't able to make that link but i did see the desire uh, desirability Uh, part what about you jay did you did you see anything? Did you hear anything at home or did it or like um Queen was it at school? I as a, a part of the race theory that I grew up with, we did talk about colorism. So I was raised my dad wow. is um very light skinned, both of his parents um now that's 2023 and we are talking about who's black and who's not. Mm-hmm. Don't tell my dad. But <laughs> <laughs> don't tell okay. who he is. <laughs> okay. Uh, my father's father is uh, biracial, um, mm-hmm. white and black, and his mother, I would refer to her as multiracial, okay. right? So I would say due to the time, due to the conversations that we were being had, both of them, my grandparents considered themselves to be black people. Right. Um, in terms of their privilege, they very clearly had light skin privilege. In a room with only white people, I'm sure my grandmother passed to some people. Um, so that was that experience. Um, and my mother is uh, brown skin. So mm-hmm. I would say light skin, but like the brownest light skin, perhaps. 
Um, and her family, her siblings, all shades of, to me at least when I look at them, they're all shades of right. from I've darker skin family, to yeah. light skin. Yes. yes. All yeah. the shades. Yes. Yeah, you know how black people do. Yeah. Right. They're, they're all the shades. shades. Her mother is from Baltimore by way, by way of North Carolina. And so I would say with my dad's family being so specifically light and with my mom having the experience of coming through, you know, my grandmother being from the South and things like that. And wanting to, as I said, both of my parents being so pro-black, you cannot not have the conversation about colorism yes. with the experience of being so, you know, my dad being so light-skinned and my mom having cousins and family and siblings of every shade. So we did talk about colorism, but it was reduced to, or limited, rather I'll say, limited to the... Um, experience of I know my grandmother had a first cousin who experienced colorism in her home and was like okay well they're not talking to that cousin because she's the darker cousin and mm. this that or whatever and so it was always my grandmother's intention to teach her kids about that kind of colorism and we don't do that here whatever so I grew Got up it. with the knowledge that I could be treated better because I'm light-skinned and that it's not okay to do that and so the base level knowledge that colorism exists Lighter skinned people are sometimes treated better because people think they're better to look at. People mm, like having mm -hmm. them around more. And we don't do that here. So it's not something that I grew up with in my home. It's not something in terms of the experience of colorism. I wasn't ever in my home treated like, OK, well, you know, you're light skinned. Me and all my siblings, we're, we're similar even. Yeah, we're similar in complexion. Mm, okay. My sister's hair um was a, a little bit straighter than mine and more people thought that she was you know rosier complected i'm a little bit more yellow whatever but i say that to say no one in my home was like oh she has better hair than you whatever so i didn't really grow up with that yeah. but i understood because my parents were so pro-black i understood that there was um I don't want to use the term system for a reason, and I'll say that okay. in a second. But I understood that there was, in, again, the base level of desirability and who, who gets treated better in these kind of one-on-one -on -one instances. Mm -hmm. What I didn't understand was the system of it and was how it impacts... Um, I understood that my grandparents were able to acquire things that they had and, and allowed in places because of how they looked. I understood that, but I never made the connection, and it also was not made for me, that this is a systemic thing that is happening to everyone, right? So it's not just that, oh, um, your dark-skinned friends may be treated differently. It's, it's, and, and even when I say that, it's clearly a systemic issue, yeah. but it wasn't a connection that I ever made or that I was ever taught to make. To make that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Most people don't make that connection. Though. Oh no! Oh no! 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 Not at all. Yeah. Oh, no. no not and, at you, all. and you brought up a really great point when you mentioned that you are like the a lighter version of the dark skin. Yeah. Because there's a whole range of people a, who are in a, the middle. That's the thing. People think of colorism as a binary. Like, yes. Light, like the lightest of the lights are the only light skins, and then like dark people, when it's like. Black people look like so... So many... Every shade. <laughs> so... Ask Rihanna. So, it's every shade. <laughs> like... So many so many different things. And I, I kind of wish people... There's there's nuance to colorism yeah. as well that I think people just don't, don't really get because really people keep the conversations with colorism about desirability yeah. and keep it about light-skinned girls mm -hmm. when it's like... George Floyd was murdered because he was a dark skin oh black man. God. You know? Like, yes. But we want to keep the conversation about this girl being light skinned yes. in the club. And I'm I'm 
hating on that too, but there's like this plenty is a, of big fish to fry. Yeah, there's like a yeah. whole system of like dark skinned people who are harmed. Yeah, and there's the numbers that show that. Like, let's think about how many black men we watch for that were light skinned. Yeah, we don't got to think that long because yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. That that's colorism. Yes. That's not just anti blackness. Yes, and it really, really matters. And in true professionalism, you know, Queen brings up the next part of the conversation <laughs> because that's how they do. I'm telling you, listen to the podcast. But but to that point, I want to fast forward. I want to mm-hmm. fast forward to 2020. I want to fast forward to George Floyd in particular because we all know a lot of us got those phone calls from folks who want us to talk about all the shit that we've been talking about for years that are highly around colorism. And we're going to get more into that, but I specifically want to get into this point and period where everybody was outside marching after George Floyd was executed in the middle of the street with a kneecap on his neck by a white man, right? Everybody was out. Asian folks, white folks, black folks, all of the races. And I was like really inspired by that. I was like, this is really dope. I also was very like, skeptical like Mm, what the fuck is going on here what does this mean how long is this gonna last but the colorism thing immediately came up for me too i was like look at this dark-skinned man on the floor with this white man's kneecap i mean like it's just forever burned into a lot of our brains but as i look around and i think about all those people who coalesce i'm thinking about all of the all of the people who have died i'm thinking about sandra bland who was Mm -hmm. also you know a brown woman dark brown to certain people Mm -hmm. who was also murdered i can think about philando castile like we we can we can name all of them even beginning with a lot of them are dark yes even beginning with um you know trayvon's brother in 2013 excuse me trayvon um martin because i know his brother Mm -hmm. and his brother's also a a dark-skinned black man and i'm thinking about like also yes exactly Mm -hmm. i'm just thinking about like what happens when like how what like how do you take that trauma as you walk down the street in the body of a dark skinned black person that was extra highlighted for me at that time i'm going to fast forward a little bit more mm-hmm. now we're in 2023 the conversation still continues we're still talking about colorism like we haven't been talking about it year after year after year after year and i had a conversation recently on stranger fruit we got into the colorism conversation and I will tell you like this, what I've noticed is that like you can, we're on the social media, people won't chime into certain conversations as much. But baby, when you talk about colorism, people feel the need to get up, put up, put on their pajamas, get some coffee on, <laughs> sip it for the caffeine injection, <laughs> just to tell pajamas. you that colorism is not real. People? people get up so early to come back. Why? Why is it? With all of the examples, with George Floyd, with the statistics about darks and black women, particular in particular, Serena Williams, yes, people not believing you those having are, labor. But those Why? numbers, those statistics, and those numbers that are talk usually talking about black death, um, mm-hmm. women who die in childbirth, who's poor. Usually, the, the the numbers align with dark skinned people. Yeah, like, but when you look at media, what represents black people is always light skinned people. Mm-hmm. So if it's systemic. It's basically it's the point so, I'm trying to make. It's the like, illest erasure those, of all time. Yes, and I, I get upset because, yes, anti-blackness exists. I would never deny that. But I think that a lot of times the anti-black conversation does erase the colorist conversation because it's like, we all black, mm. we all black, mm. and it's like there's a specific black person that is generally more harmed and that is darker-skinned people. Mm-hmm. So I think like... Or sometimes when I, I'll see conversation about noir mm-hmm. and like they'll mix it up with colorism. Like I saw someone online was talking about Megan experience colorism. I'm like, no, she didn't. She mm-hmm. experienced massage noir. Mm-hmm. Those are very different things. Yeah. That's something only a dark skinned black woman can experience, massage noir and colorism. Right. 
But I think a lot of times people just don't know what words mean. Yeah. And they just be throwing them around and putting them on things. And it's like, no, like there are black women who experience misogynoir and yeah. colorism. Yeah. Not every black woman experiences colorism. Do you think that is because people just don't know? Is it ignorance? Or do you think that people are purposely kind of like putting things where they don't belong? Meaning, like, I know you kind of mentioned, like, we'll talk about anti-blackness and it kind of like circumventing the colorism conversation. We, we all agree, color, we all agree, well, most of us in this world, agree that anti-blackness is bad. Yes. We all don't agree that colorism is bad yet. Or exists. Or exists. Or exists. Right? So if, if, there's, if there's no, and, and no shade to people, but a lot of us need some kind of outside thing telling you something is real. Oh, yeah. Telling you something is wrong. Yeah. So there's no doctrine, there's no legislation, even though I don't really care about democratic politics, but there's mm-hmm. no legisl- there's nothing saying specifically that dark-skinned black people are harmed and we should do something about it. Mm-hmm. So if there's nothing telling you that this is a systemic thing that we all should pay attention to, most people are not going to, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. There's also a hierarchy of who gets wow. to be human, right? So who's a person, who's a human, who matters, whose voice matters? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And so along that hierarchy, those who are more along the margins, those are the people you don't believe. Those are the people who it's easier to cut off. Those are the people who, is, who you see them say something and make a point. It's like, that can't be true. Yes. They must be on something. Mm-hmm. They must be on. Let me fix this. You know how many times someone called me, me crazy this. because I bring up colorism? Mm-hmm. It's like, that girl crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I've literally seen right. it. I've literally seen exactly. it. Exactly. And not, not, oh, she must have a point that I'm not considering because I'm light skinned or because I'm not a part of that intersection. Rather, it is that intersection is less than human. They don't matter. Let me speak up and fix this. Yeah. Let me let me set you straight because here's what you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And that's what you'll see oftentimes yeah. when those conversations of colorism are happening with a dark-skinned person who is saying, hey, colorism exists. You have the person who on the hierarchy of marginalization sits higher up on that hierarchy and says, let me tell you, let me tell you something, dark-skinned person, because yeah, I know. Because exactly. you are, you're less than informed. Now, whatever it is that we think about people who are at whatever marginalization we are dehumanizing within that yeah. moment. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. a little bit of both to your point. Is it just ignorance or is it on purpose? It's both. It's both, yeah, it's yeah. both because the the hierarchy, the system says that there are people that you can treat less than human. You know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? So I am mm-hmm. purposely shutting you down, shutting you out because you're in this category that I don't even see as a person. Yeah, and I think that that's really, really important to, to talk about because the reason why I will never stop talking about colorism is because until I feel, until I see that there are, there's equity, there is a conversation that's being happening and the reality is more widespread and understood, yeah. I'll never stop talking about it because I feel like it's our job to fill in those gaps and, of course, to provide knowledge if people are saying that they don't know. Yeah. Fine, okay, cool, you don't know. So let's say you don't know and you're listening to this for the first time. I would love to get into the conversation about Megan because... The reason why I was like, I have to speak to Queen and Jay is specifically because everybody has been talking about Megan Thee Stallion. Everyone has been talking about Tory Lanez. Everybody has kind of like been centering hip hop after some recent violence that we've we've seen. And I'm, we're going to even have a bigger conversation about that later on the, on the show. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm looking for the nuance. I'm looking for like this in-between spot because what I've seen is a couple of things that you've mentioned. From the very beginning not necessarily believing that what was said was true, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Even through the guilty verdict for Tory Lanez um, being being found guilty of shooting <laughs> Megan the Stallion, people are like, 
well, she's a liar and she's this and she's that. And I don't that. trust the system anyway. It, it, so I'm, like, I'm like the <laughs> the audacity, the level of like, I hate you. Why do people hate dark skinned women so much? I do not know. And and to your point, because I do see Megan as a brown dark woman. She's not dark skinned. Okay, and I and so why? So how do you make that differentiation when traditionally in a space like this, the more successful women have been a la your Beyonce's or your Cardi B's but or your I want to say that that's not true because we have Monica. We have there that comp- we have the um, Nia Longs. Like that is the acceptable. Black. But, black. but 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 like, I'm gonna push back on that really you're quickly. You're still able to be like a lighter, a, a brown skin person because they're lighter. brown. Like yeah, they're they're like, they're like to me to me. Listen, this is how I see it. There's over there. There's over here, and there's in the middle. In the middle, you never know what you're gonna get. Yeah, maybe your nose is a little bit thinner, or maybe you got your nose done, or maybe you got your you got a a a a, a, a cup size bigger. You know, maybe you made a little that we've seen. We have seen that. Tika Sumter, a beautiful dark-skinned woman who I think people are more accepting of because she actually has quite European-looking features, despite she has a big nose. She's also very, very, like, her lips are thinner. I I had to question myself on why I I do certain things, and these are the little things that I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Why do you say specifically that Megan, she's she's not dark to you? She's not dark, because I I kind of want people, people assume that light skin is just Mm -hmm. yellow. You don't have to touch me. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, real specific. <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm noticing that. I'm noticing that. And yes, it's not yes. a horrible thing, and it's not like something I want to point out. And to also, she's like, no, 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 I'm just, no, we play, play, For full transparency, she's <laughs> yeah. touching me but because because of my upbringing and, and because we, we were not specifically like colorist in that kind of tangible way. Yeah. And color didn't matter to me but i my understanding of color is also very basic so mm-hmm. when we would talk about color before i'd be like oh this one is dark skin this one is light skin because it really didn't matter to me anyway who was dark skin or who was light skin i'm just it's just an easy identifier right. and there's a lot of and, and queen's gonna say this i'm sure it's a lot of erasure also when you yes, start that's, talking that's about that's what i'm saying oh okay that's what i'm saying got it let's get into that yeah because there's there's even dark, you know, there's dark skinned people darker than me. So I think that when we say because someone is not light that they're automatically dark, mm-hmm. you erase actual dark skinned people's experience. Mm-hmm. So me and Megan are not going to have the same experience. She is also where she is at because she is not, she's not the same color as Flo Millie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And there's a reason that is for very, that. Very true. She, she still gets entryway because she's the color of the paper bag. She's just not lighter than it. Mm-hmm. But there's still privilege and being liked her so is she getting light skin privilege probably not Mm -hmm. but she's still lighter Mm -hmm. but what about the people first of all this is what i'm talking about y'all the nuance you see what i'm saying (laughs) um (laughs) this is exactly what i'm talking about and then sorry not to cut you off and then when we talk about the way people and people use your identity to insult you yeah. No one's ever said any kind of dark anything to insult Megan. They talk. They. I've seen it. I've seen you that. Have? I have. I've seen it on the internet, which I don't think I've is real life. That. I don't think the internet is necessarily real life, but I saw it because I was specifically not looking for it. I was just looking for the the people who really dehumanized Megan. They went a la the gorilla route. They mm. went a la the dark skin route. They did. I saw a lot of mm-hmm. it, and and I saw a lot of it coming from black folks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like calling her dark skin because it, it really erases okay. what actually happens to dark skin people and how dark skin there are there could never I, be mm. anyone darker than Megan we know that right mm. that mm, that mm, can't mm. exist so to me she has experienced intense amount of massage noir I do not think 
colorism. It's also wow. to, to add Thank to you for that. The, the nuances of the way that people talk about Megan, she's also uh, above average height for a quote unquote oh, a woman. woman. She's above average height. She's of a certain size. So it's all these different nuances that contribute to the way that people code her, the way that they badmouth her and talk about her. So it's not, it's not simply that she's perceived by certain people as dark skinned. She's also perceived as larger than she should be, louder than she should be. It's a lot of different things that go into how much we show that we hate people. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that, that that's really, yeah, really important. I agree, she's not light-skinned. She's not a light-skinned person, but right. she's definitely not a dark-skinned person. And that's why I think we need to stop thinking in a binary. Yeah. Just because a black person is not light-skinned doesn't mean that they don't benefit from some of the residuals of being lighter than the darkest person in the room. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, and to your point, because like my brother and I talk about this all the time because he's lighter than me. I know that I'm not the darkest dark person of mm -hmm. all time, but I, I know that we've had different experiences. So you just articulated what I felt, but mm -hmm. I just maybe for myself yeah. too, thinking more so in the binary. Why? Because I know that she is not the traditional look of what a lot of people want to see in Mm -hmm. hip-hop or in she, music she just doesn't to me she just doesn't have the biracial look that they're going for because we used to have lighter skinned black women who to the to just look like black if that makes any sense yeah. but we're now in a part in a time where they're really trying to just have everyone look biracial so i think that when people are thinking about colorism in this instance they're removing the, the nuance of Motherfuckers be mixed, mixed race, biracial, or whatever. It's different than a black light skin person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, <laughs> but they think that light skin just means passing. That's not. There are black light skinned people, but because absolutely. people, <laughs> <laughs> but because yes, yes. We, because we learn. Remember us? No. <laughs> we we learn everything from the media, right? Mm -hmm. So if the media has even whitewashed light skinness this much, that you think light skin only looks like a passing or a white presenting person then it's just it's that's why i just like to insert the nuance in it that yes. there are light-skinned people that look like a monica well i don't brown light brown whatever the heck no yeah whatever. you're right monica's oh, a really great example actually. yeah you know so yeah. those people existed in the music industry right yeah. we didn't have but we have to be honest there weren't a lot of dark-skinned women ever mm -hmm. right ever ever that's, that's key Cause when we were talking about, yeah, when we were talking about this hip hop conversation, and I was thinking about it, if we think about even the the older hip hop heads or women from back in the day who um, were were, it was a different look, it was a different vibe, it was a different time. Yeah. So more clothes, all that stuff, because of the time. Mm -hmm. But if we think about Queen Latifah, Moni Love, Yo Yo, MC Light, all these different, Cam, all, Cam, of right, all these different presentations of what a rapper, what a woman rapper can be, they were all light skinned then too. So it's, it's not this like current kind of new issue that we're having. I know a lot of people think when we talk about the colorism um, with women in hip hop right now, a lot of people are thinking of like the Instagram girls or whatever. But even when everybody was fully dressed, wearing Tims and baggy jeans, they was light skinned. Yeah. You know, yeah. the people who were being pushed forward were light-skinned. So, yeah, yeah, it's back, true. Back then as well. It's not new. It's true. And I think, like, if you were, like, how much darker you were, to your point, like, where you fall on the spectrum, you got to you gotta be able to do that thing, really. Like, you gotta be able to sing, like, Missy, Coco. Missy Elliott is damn Missy near Elliott. Michael Jackson-level talented. Exactly. And that's why we know who she is. Yes. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's yes. why she was able to crack as a larger, dark-skinned dark woman because person. she is the most talented nigga in the industry. It, it, you understand Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And I think that that's a really important part of it too is that like to be dark you have to be extra 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 mm -hmm. like i loved foxy brown you know what i always what i um 
felt, I think, as a younger person, now that we're talking about this, I've always felt the lack of whatever itness, whatever it is, when you're darker. Mm-hmm. So, like, even brother and I, we would be, he would be like, oh, or I would be like, oh, this guy is handsome. And everybody else would be like, oh, this guy is handsome. If they were lighter, I'd be like, I disagree. <laughs> I think the most handsome person is the one who is the darkest available. <laughs> you know, and it was me just rebelling that, against that was me a lot too, what I yeah. saw. And he pointed it out to me, like, eventually, like, you know, you're going to choose the... And, and it was that. It was like a... Uh, uh, recognizing it, not being able to articulate it mm-hmm. until I could. Yeah, but I was the same way. Yeah. Yes, and it, it is a thing. You have to be so much better. You have to be able to sing so much better to do whatever it is so much better. And I think like that's like a really, really important part of the nuance of the conversation. But but let me ask you this because we're talking about Megan. I want to stay on her for for a second. One of the things that Megan said that I thought was really profound and kind of like heartbreaking was kind of like expressing a little bit of remorse about surviving the incident Mm -hmm. because people were so mean. I want to get into the misogynoir part about it, where Mm -hmm. you made this distinct difference about what she would have experienced, not to just lump everything into the colorism section. Can we talk more about that? Because in in a way, it seems as though there are a lot more women who are able to access the hip hop space because it has been kind of like decentralized outside of labels. So now more people have an opportunity. But when you do get to talk to certain artists along the way who are black, darker skinned women, they still express those same sentiments that like men out here are still wild and they're still crazy. They still make it hard for me. They still want to sleep with me. They still want to do all of these things. And yes, colorism, by the way, still exists. And then you have people who are pushing back and they're like, hmm. but is it really, is it really easier? Is it really easier for light-skinned girls or is your situation even true? Do you think that there's a massage in a war? Let's put colorism over there for a mm-hmm. second. Do you think the massage in war part is just an, is just an integral foundational part of hip hop and do you see that going anywhere? No. So it's it's a lot of layers and it's okay. because of all of the intersections, right? And I think that it's really difficult for um black men in particular to understand the intersections. And this is this is generally anyone with privilege to understand mm-hmm. the intersections that that don't intersect within themselves. So you're just totally not aware. Um, so that's, you know, that piece, but it's like, why, why should they change? Mm-hmm. What is the incentive for these people to not be misogynist, to not treat black question. women this way? You know, there's, there's no reason for them to, or not. I, I don't know. It's kind of just like a, a I could talk in circles about this. Cause it's like, I, I know the world I want. Right. It's cute. <laughs> I know the liberation I want, but realistically, until people can see outside themselves and understand that you do not liberate people until you liberate the most marginalized person in your group. So you, if you have to go all the way down to freeing the the um, handicapped trans person, yeah, that frees up everything just like that. Mm-hmm. If you can't think in that way then you're not going to be helpful to anyone's liberation. Like, I'm I'm very firm on, like, I don't look for the answers from, and it's not to take away from black men, but I don't think black black straight men have my liberation, can, can make my liberation come true because mm-hmm. they don't even see me. Thanks. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, also going further, like me, mm. I've, I've said this, I've written this. I do not even look for light-skinned liberationists to do the path because you're not thinking of me. You're not mm-hmm. seeing me, mm-hmm. right? So it's like until people unpacked their privilege and unpacked the things that they, because I, I have privilege as well, right? Yeah. But I'm doing the work to unpack the things that I have so I can understand, so that I can be of service to the person that I, my existence, marginalized. Yeah. People don't do that. Ooh, yeah. not at all. <laughs> and, and I, I want to add that I think we talk about hip hop a lot when, and it's such an easy scapegoat. It is. Such an easy scapegoat because then we don't have to talk about the fact that we live in a patriarchal, misogynist, misogynoirist society and hip hop just makes it sound delicious. It's the society. So the, true. The, this is there's nothing happening in hip hop right now that doesn't happen at work. Yes. That doesn't happen in church. That doesn't happen in yes. our civil rights spaces. Yes. It is the same. Oh thing, my God, that's so except, true. Yeah. yeah. Except in those environments, it's not okay to look at me and say, "Bitch." <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you. But you can't be like a bitch. That's what you're thinking when you come in <laughs> yeah. and say. That's a fact. When yeah. you come in and say, "Listen, young lady," yeah. or when you come in and say, "Listen, you ladies are all saying this, that, or whatever." You just call me a bitch, okay? I know that's Ooh. what you're thinking. So it, it's not. That's why I don't like conscious rap. Just yeah. call me a bitch. Hello. Just call me a bitch. Mm. <laughs> don't don't freaking you know bitch versus queen. Don't. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. All right. Um, so I don't think it's a hip hop issue. Misogyny, misogynoir. It's not a hip hop yeah. issue. It is the world that we live in. That is that is how we are treated day to day in society. And I think that hip hop just. amplifies and puts a mirror up to what is happening in society. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And Mm. what people are thinking in society. And I think that, yeah, it's dangerous and can be dangerous in the sense that this is what, um, you know, even as we get older, we are all, we all have some entanglement or engagement with hip hop. We do. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. black people. Mm-hmm. It's a part of our culture. Yeah, absolutely. We just are inherently going to be involved in it, depending on, you know, who you are, whatever. Like, we're two black girls from the Bronx. We're just involved. That's just mm-hmm. what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why it feels so, like, raw and present and that hip-hop is the issue and yada, yada, yada. But really, it's happening in every sector and corner of life. That's a hip-hop fact. Hip-hop is just putting it on paper. Yeah. That's it. That's a fact. We had a conversation in L.A., with um, a woman by the name of Shelly Bruce, and she is a local activist and um, organi- community organizer. And she specifically was talking about how dangerous the activism space has become for her and for a lot of the women in this space and femmes who have been and targeted. That's, and that's not new. Black yeah. women in the Black Panther Party. Yes. Black black women in the Nation of Islam when Malcolm was leading in with Farrakhan, not safe, okay? Jesus. Like, this is, this is a continuous... Thing. Black women have been harmed, yeah. you know, and it's sadly something we're used to and something we expect. And, and yeah. if, you say it's, if you say it's hip hop, then we don't have to address it in life. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. We just true. limit and address these people in hip hop. We limit it and address this class of people. We limit and address the young people. Yeah. The you know, it's this group of black men that's acting up. It's not a societal issue, and then mm-hmm. we don't have to invest in actual liberation. We're investing in fixing the behaviors of this group of people in this culture of hip-hop instead of, like, liberating niggas. You know what I'm saying? I I appreciate that because I do think, for me too, when I think about hip-hop, I tend to automatically think about the the trickle-down effect. Why? Because I grew up in East New York and I know what and how people move 
when it comes to music. Like some people, they be able to quote you everything on a song that just came out five minutes ago. That's mm -hmm. how much people care about the culture. And now we've even moved from back in the day to where like now it's the number one genre in the on the entire face of the planet. 50% or more of the content is art is consumed by non-black folks. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how how do you, you know, in your expertise, how do you see how what are the steps to take? Not to solve things, but how have you processed it from the from thinking about it from a societal perspective and how it trickles down to hip hop and then how you see, for example, Megan getting shot, right? Thank God it was her foot. It could have yeah, been something else. You know what exactly. I'm saying? So I, I'm bringing in death. I'm bringing in that aspect of it because is it that we have a conversation that's like, hey, let's start from here and go down? Or do you think that there is value in talking to hip hop artists, for example? Because that, like I was telling y'all before, that was the idea of Stranger Fruit at the beginning, to sit down with hip hop artists and artists and be like, yo, what do you think about what, ju what just happened? And like, how do we put you on record right now in terms of like not absolving you from responsibility and what you talk about and how you speak? Is there room to hold folks accountable in the hip hop space considering the fact that this is way bigger than them? What do you think? A big question. I don't think there's an answer to that question. Okay. And I think that it's because there's we're so steeped and like and soaked in all of these system systemic oppressions that we don't even know why we do what we do. Mm. We don't even know why we think what we think at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're so indoctrinated by these systems that rule our life, as much as you want to admit it or not, they do. Like yeah. the, the media influences what you think about a person. It's facts. <laughs> you know, so it's it's not to be a pessimist, but sometimes I just feel like just tear it all down and start over because, <laughs> because we're I just so soaked and seeped in it. That is, you know, you can think that nothing will change, but... From like me on a personal level, I just try to cultivate that stuff with myself and the community that I have around me. That's smart. I get that. You know, because I, I, I guess, I guess I'm learning that. I'm realizing that stuff. That's what my parents were doing: cultivating this world that probably just exists in this living room. But at least you get it for these couple of hours before you go out, go to school. That's powerful. You know, yeah. that I, is powerful because, like, how how is how can you even begin to think about? I think a great example is Kodak Black. Mm -hmm. I don't know if y'all remember we had a conversation on Kodak Black on the Grapevine back in the day, and it was all about like th there was this one guy who was on there. He he loved Kodak Black. Okay, he was a Kodak Black fan, and what he what he described <laughs> like an adult person, an adult person, <laughs> an adult person. He loved Kodak Black. I don't know kids who like Yo, him, so I'm just like, nah, okay. he a grown college grown. <laughs> grills like everything mm -hmm. deep in it but then also like can be critical of it in a way because what he said was he was just like listen i understand you grow up people tell you certain things you absorb it you start to think to yourself okay well i gotta get a light-skinned girl that's just what i gotta get it's there it's in the hip-hop videos they done told me this for like a whole decade yeah. straight it's in society it's in society you know but, and, but and the reason yeah. why i'm saying hip-hop in particular mm -hmm, is because mm -hmm. i i am i'm a firm believer that if I'm talking to Mouse, I'm going to talk to you, you. And I'm not going to give you any room for nothing. I'm just not going to do it, mm -hmm. you know, because empathy comes for me with like conflict, compassion, empathy. 
That's just how I see the world. So I'm going to tell you what I think. Mm-hmm. And what I, and what he had mentioned, just from his perspective, mm-hmm. is that in looking at hip-hop, because he was right. not watching CNN, he right, was not right, watching right. MSNBC, mm-hmm. or even the Cosby show, mm-hmm. he was consuming... What about consuming... my daughters? But really... <laughs> how, how, how did that add up? <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. But when y'all hit that, I was thinking that. I, I, I immediately thought about Denise and Sandra. But, but to that point, it's kind of like he said... Once he realized, he said he had a moment. He was like, hold up. This doesn't make any sense. Because uh, I believe it was, he, he described that it was a, a black woman who challenged him. And it caught, when, you, when you're across from a black woman and she's saying, I'm holding you accountable for what I learned is a pattern, it was the moment that made him think differently and kind of questioned why he's doing that. So what he acknowledged with Kodak, like, I like him because I see myself in him. And I know that right now he's at a place because he grew up in the same ignorance that I grew up in. And I was just like, okay, I received that because we were going back and forth for a while. And I was like, I received that. Like a part of this is actually ignorance. But at what point, right? Like at what point do we do what we can? When James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni had that conversation and Nikki was like, when you come home and you treat me some type of way, right? After, After doing whatever it is. whatever to you. You know what I'm saying? That makes me feel some type of way. That is the level of insertion of accountability that I'm speaking about. Because mm-hmm. when I look at the system and I'm looking at these conversations and we have all of these usually cis, het, straight men coming back with this like colorism isn't real. You know, all y'all talking about all of this feminist shit is ruining everything. All, all of this kind of stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself... White supremacy and that beast, I don't really fuck with white people like that. You know what I'm, Even though I say what I say, mm-hmm. I don't really fuck with white people like that. My, my biggest thing is that I've seen change happen on the ground by having conversations. There was even um, David Duke's um, nephew mm-hmm. and godson that we had on the grapevine before too. Mm-hmm. He talked about his interaction with a black woman mm-hmm. and how that changed his trajectory of being an extreme racist, mm-hmm. right? Those personal inter like kind of like interventions or mm-hmm. personal moments with people who you thought you hated who bring that level of enlightenment that's why i'm asking specifically mm-hmm. about like how do we hold them accountable i don't i don't i don't know what level of accountability is required mm-hmm. um as as a darker skinned person i'm harmed by it so i don't have time or patience i, I got to wait that. for motherfuckers to get it i get that don't you know but i think that <laughs> i get that for a lot of people, why colorism conversations stay at preference um, is because they want to believe that those are their own thoughts, and it is not a system that they've been indoctrinated into. Wow! Like these are not even your, you don't even know why you like that light skin girl. You don't even know why that is your preference. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. understand that you have been anti-blackness and colorism is so ingrained into you that you you want to choose. What society says is better. It's not even your choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that people want to admit how much of a sheep they are to media. And when media tells you you're supposed to have what denotes class, what denotes you've moved up in the world, is a lighter person. And I, a lot of times people like to make it so who you sleep in the bed with doesn't denote your politics it does yeah it does that stuff is not separate it Mm -hmm. is not at all and i really wish people would realize that that it's not like if we look at that i don't know his name the one that everyone is dragging canceling whatever the fuck um waymo or whatever (laughs) 
The chef yes, guy? the chef person. Oh, <laughs> the one where they found a whole bunch of like yeah. colorist yes. tweets chef where he was like Green, being really, really crazy. And it's not by accident that his fiance is an Asian woman. Yeah, a light mm-hmm. Asian because there's dark Asian people. Mm-hmm. A light Asian. There's a so there's no way that preference and politics are separate or 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 love or desire. Absolutely, rather. it's mm-hmm. separate. It's not. You see it, mm-hmm. and I really wish people would try to stop making it like it's some arbitrary choice or decision no who you partner with is also a politic yeah yeah I, and i think Ooh. just to your point about um like how do we tackle this yeah. i think for me outside of the, the work that we do to dismantle shit and to achieve hopefully when we're long dead liberation but yeah, we could watch it from heaven like right it's like those those conversations with people that are in your circle we are all close to toxic people yeah. in oh, some way yeah. i shared what dr donna was talking about um uh when she was talking about colorism and how the term bipoc how she doesn't like oh how yes we're lumped in because of colorism and things like that so i shared that in my stories and an older cousin of mine, like a grown auntie, auntie level cousin, mm-hmm. um, hit me up and she's like, what is colorism? Like y'all use all this uh, millennium talk. I was like, uh, oh, first shit. of all. That that term was coined back, back then. <laughs> You're too smart for this. <laughs> but, but now this is my responsibility, right? Yeah. She's mine. Right? So it's yeah. my job now to engage in this exhausting dialogue yeah. about colorism that went on and was exhausting for a while mm-hmm. in the Facebook chats. Okay? Oh, in baby. The Facebook oh, my God. Ma- <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So oh I think God. it's we have so many opportunities as people with good sense to talk to the people in our lives and like have those interventions with those who are close to us. And oftentimes, a lot of us choose not to because it's uncomfortable. Very. But that's our responsibility when it comes to like those kind of micro things, right? Because I'm not going to spend my time. We, Of course, we have work where we have a platform and we do things. But I'm not sitting across from a man to try and change his mind. Now, I'm not doing that on a micro level. I'll do it with my cousin. Yeah. Because that's my responsibility. And when he's out in the street, the great black saying of... Whose cousin is that? Whose man is that? Whose man is that? Come get your auntie. That's because we have a community code. And whoever's in your community, that's yours. That's your responsibility. And if they're out here wilding, that's on you. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so I think that's where this kind of micro talking one-on-one, talking to people who are in your community. There's people who I went to college with who they're a part of my community. I've known you since I was 17 and you're ignorant and we're too old for this now. And so as a part of my community, I'm going to have this conversation with you. Um, So I think that's how we do these things on a micro level. Like talk to the people who belong to you because they're there and you're avoiding them just because it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. Talk to your parents. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. on a micro level, that's what I think we need to do. On a macro level, I think we should be fighting towards liberation. So I'm not having these okay. kinds of one-on-ones like, you treat women bad. I'm not doing that. I don't want to be on that panel. But <laughs> okay. I want to you know, do the work that like awakens maybe a lot of people at one time. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Or, or like there's somebody who's going to listen to this conversation and not fully get it until they listen to the next podcast on colorism. And then it'll be like, oh, that's what they were saying. Like this is what they was talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing process. 100%. you know, liberation. An ongoing conversation indeed. I mean, damn, who can ask for better guests than Queen and Jay? If you want to hear more of this conversation, come back for part two next week Monday right here on Stranger Fruit.